0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. I'm Amber Barrett, and joining Vanessa and me today are Betsy Lane and Marcy Wells. Welcome, ladies.
1: Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Well, you two have a special place in my heart because you are moms of multiple boys. <laughs> y'all also have girls, and I don't have any any girls, but I have loved watching your boys. Your, your boys are about 10 years younger than mine, and I just get the biggest kick out of them. So it's fun to have y'all with us today, and we're going to start out with our first things first question like we usually do. I'm going to ask you the question and you are going to answer it, but you're also going to tell us a little bit of, a little bit about yourself when you do, okay? So the first question, our first things first question is, when is the first time you remember doing an entire load of laundry on your own from start to finish? Prep, wash, dry, and put away. Betsy, start us off.
1: Okay. Hey, I'm Betsy Lane. So happy to be here. My husband is Josh. We have four kiddos. Ada, Eli, Bert, and baby Martha, Um, and they keep me busy. Mm. I enjoy volunteering at their school and just taking part in all their activities. Um, Wow, this is a great question. So I think it was probably not until I went off to college and lived in my first apartment that I did laundry completely on my own. Um, I'm pretty sure I had to ask my roommates how to do it. Thankfully, our washer and dryer were pretty basic, so there wasn't much you could get wrong. Hmm. But it is funny to think back. All those years ago about doing laundry just for myself in college <laughs> i think i probably did it maybe once a week at most um and now that looks a lot different i feel like that's all i do is laundry <laughs> um i can't even get a load put away before the next load has to start um, So doing laundry for six people is much different. Um, we probably average at least a load a day. So <laughs> a lot has changed since college. Oh yeah, in a good way. Love it. Wouldn't have it any other way. For sure. Mm-hmm. And how
0: old is baby Martha? Like she almost are. ten months. Ten months. Yes. Wow. Yep. Yeah. A little ten month old. They'll come up with some laundry. AG. You know, right. boys, <laughs> and a boys, and, and a baby. Yeah. yeah
2: lots of lot. laundry. <laughs> for sure. Yeah.
0: All right, Marcy. What about you?
2: I'm Marcy Wells, and I'm married to my very kind and wonderful husband, Jeremy. I feel very blessed to be married to him. Um, Very frequently, we run into people that he takes care of as a physician, Hmm. and they will say, I just love your husband. And so I've learned to respond, so do I. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, We do have a house full of boys, as Amber mentioned. Hmm. Uh, We have three boys followed by our little girl, uh, ranging in ages from 11 years old down to four years old. Our home is loud and crazy most of the time. Um, And laundry. So the first time I remember doing laundry – from start to finish was also when I was in college. I was a college freshman in a dorm at Georgia Tech. I was ready. I had pre-sorted. I had my detergent and my coins. Yes, coins. I'm <laughs> getting old. <laughs> um, oh so coins. I walked down to the basement of the dorm. It was a true basement. Mm couple of light bulbs hanging from the ceiling, no windows, very few washers and dryers, maybe five washing machines and five dryers along the wall. There was no room to sit down. I went through all my steps carefully. I started my wash and I left and I came back about an hour and a half later to find my newly cleaned clothes dumped on top of a very dirty dryer <laughs> and even some pieces on the floor. It was so sad. I gathered up my wet clothes and realized that all the working dryers were full. So I just stood there and waited until one became available. Um, All in all, it was a learning experience about not only knowing the mechanics of laundry, but also the importance of being prompt and also being patient. And um, at that moment, I was also very thankful of having had a washer and dryer in my own house growing up. And I'm, I was very thankful for my mom who did
0: my laundry for eighteen <laughs> years straight before that yeah. point. So I'm just waiting until my boys get to college and like, mom, you are a saint. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Although I've started to make mine do their own. So. <laughs> but anyway, Vanessa.
3: Yeah. As the youngest of nine, I didn't have the bliss of waiting till college.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bad, yeah,
3: Now no I can doubt. I remember I have fond memories of doing um, laundry with grandma. And that would have been hanging things on the line, on the clothesline, because that's what she did. She washed them the washing machine inside and then took them to the clothesline. But I probably would have been about eight before I could do that on my own and hang them out. So probably about eight years old, mm-hmm. but I was always a part of it. But mm-hmm. I know from her journal that my being a part of her doing laundry mostly included me running through her laundry <laughs> on the clothesline <laughs> and pulling things off the line. She I did. Love- she did share that
0: with me she did share that with yes, you yes. It, yeah <laughs> that was a good memory of hers in the journal uh, oh, lord yeah, help me uh, uh, kind of both i kind
3: of felt that she was reading it to me over the phone you want to know what you were doing th- this year at this time on this day what was i doing grandma you was pulling my laundry off the <laughs> line oh sorry grandma <laughs> <laughs> it's funny.
0: I, I still remember that smell of clean laundry hanging on a yeah. laundry line. i loved it my mom hung a lot of laundry i love that so I I didn't do it from start to finish my laundry, but I did pieces of it. And I remember one of my jobs was definitely to retrieve the laundry from the line Mm -hmm. and bring it in. And I love the smell of that. Mm -hmm. But I think the first time I did it from start to finish was when I was in college. And I lived, um, the, the college that I went to, we had to travel into town to go to a laundromat. And so I remember, Marcy, kind of the same experience, just the timing of it. How long does a load really take? How long do I have to wait? Can I go to the coffee shop? Can I get back in time? Can I make it into the dryer? Does somebody else take it out? All that kind of thing. That was <laughs> definitely a learning experience for me, too. You know, when you think about laundry, you <laughs> sometimes you think of just... Massive loads. You know, sometimes it just piles up. You think, I'm never going to get through this. And then the other thing about laundry is it's just every day, every day, there's laundry. It just doesn't seem to end. You just kind of have to keep on keeping on. And in our chapters for Joshua today, Mm -hmm. uh, we see a place in which there is a battle that is just massive. It just seems overwhelming. It just seems like there's no way um, that they can accomplish what's set out before them. And then you also have this picture of it is pressing on in the little things, doing mm-hmm. one battle and the next battle and the next over a period of time and how the Lord shows himself faith shows himself faithful in both of those places when things are huge and overwhelming and then things when things just take time and steady plotting and steady steady working. So just real quick we're gonna talk about that. Vanessa, talk about the fact that in these chapters there's one place where it just says that Joshua fought these battles for a long time. The battles mm. that we've been talking about, we've been moving through chapters relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. It could seem like he just went from one to another to another. So in three months done, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like that. Talk about no, that. I mean, it, it did. It took just what you were saying. It took a
3: faithful consistency over time, uh, to accomplish and to win all of these battles, to fight all of these battles. Um, and think um, our, text is actually over over five to seven years Mm -hmm. or something like that, that Joshua and Israel are fighting. And I was even intrigued to go back and to consider that Joshua's been fighting longer than that because as a young man, as the, um, as Moses, as his mentor, like in Exodus 33, Mm -hmm. we see a young Joshua fighting the Amalekites and, uh, you know, Aaron's holding up uh, Moses arms and so that they can fight and that they can progress in battle. Mm -hmm. And so just from there, this young Joshua fighting until next week, we'll see the Lord telling, uh, Joshua you're old. (laughs) Basically, you're advanced in years. Mm -hmm. That's how the scripture puts it. You're advanced in years. And yet there remains much more land to possess. And so Mm -hmm. even though he's been steady over five to seven years, there is still and a lot has been accomplished as we see him list out um, in chapter 12. All of the the, the recounting of um, these lists of kings and lands that they've conquered. Um, but it's this list of thanksgiving. Here is what the Lord has done. With each one that is listed, it is saying this is where the Lord has fought for us. Mm -hmm. And so we see the steadiness Mm -hmm. uh, of the fighting, but we also see the faithfulness of their God.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I loved how in that list you could just run your eyes down it and just kind of skip it to them it symbolized each time the mm-hmm. Lord had proven himself faithful that they had made note of that and that that's what that represented in that list of just that faithfulness in the midst of the steady uh, believing in his promises and moving mm-hmm. out in those. You at the beginning of our chapters we also have an enormous battle where it says that all of these different Kings from various regions, they hear that Joshua has conquered and is conquering the land and in an effort to protect themselves, they all unite and they come out and I just, they describe it like they they're as numerous as the sands on the seashore. Yeah. So if you think about digging your, your hands or your feet mm-hmm. into the sand and pulling up a handful or a, Footful or whatever of sand. And then each of those little tiny pieces of sand becoming a horse or a chariot or a, it just, it's just, it's its that imagery of it's more than you can even yeah. comprehend. Like were they to look out and see a vast army like that is sort of like that scene from Lord of the Rings when they're standing right. in, in a, in the castle and they look out and it just for as far as you can see, it's just covered uh, with the enemy and what they would have felt like in the face of that. And yet the Lord says, I'm going to give them into your hands mm-hmm. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then the next line is then the, the army of Israel, they pretty much pounce on them, surprise attack and fight and they win. It doesn't say how the Lord does it. There's no hailstorm or any of the miraculous counties, but just Israel goes out to fight and they win this, what would be miraculous miraculous battle. right? And so you just see that the Lord is so faithful in the steady things and he's faithful in the huge things as well. And he's very particular that we know, because he knows we need this, that we know that it's him that's doing this fighting for us, both in the steady day to day and then in the miraculous or seemingly impossible to overcome situations, that it's his hand at work and not our skills or our planning or our whatever. And so in this particular incident, he does this sort of, what seems like a strange thing, is he says, you know, when you defeat this enormous enemy, then I want you to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots, Mm -hmm. which is very... Theological, in a what? sense yeah, right. you win this great battle and you've got essentially all of these weapons of war now at your disposal and you could use them later i mean horses and chariots were highly valuable probably mm-hmm. at that time and instead of keeping them he says i want you to burn them Is almost as if to say this isn't what we rely on yeah don't trust in this right yeah we rely on the lord mm-hmm. and i often thought too i wonder if other nations you know or just people over here about that think that is to To rely on the Lord like that, and to to essentially turn away from what I could you could they could have gained from those other nations. That's mm-hmm. a that's a big deal, and I think we find that sometimes in our own lives. Sometimes, probably not that often, do we choose to give away sort of the natural um, human resources that come to us that we think will be helpful to us and that are helpful to us. There's nothing wrong with us using things in life that are given to us that can can help us along, but there are times. When the Lord either takes away or says to suspend the use of what we would consider normal, helpful things to protect ourselves or to advance life or to whatever. So can you all talk about Betsy and Marcy, a time in your life when maybe the Lord asked you or maybe forced you to give up some of the normal props of life and what it was like uh, to rely on him in the midst of that?
2: In more recent times, I mainly think of March 2020 when COVID rapidly Mm. shut down the entire world. I know everyone listening has their own stories with um, so many more difficult turns than mine. Those uh, first few months were full of some really dark times and losses for so many. Uh, For me, it was mainly that all of life's props were stripped away. The after-school sports, play Mm. dates, face-to-face teachers, face-to-face conversations with friends, babysitters, gone. Uh, Mm -hmm. leaving me with a basic survival drive while um, being immersed in a culture that just was so full of fear and darkness. Mm -hmm. Um, I was distance learning with my three school age boys while also entertaining my three-year-old with little to no knowledge of how to do that. And all the horses and chariots (laughs) of of my life were taken away. It felt like we lived around our dining room table Mm -hmm. uh, with a kid at each corner doing school work and zoom conferences and impatiently asking me to help them with a task because each one wanted to be the first to finish.
0: No, those <laughs> boys, no, no
2: yeah. competition there with our boys. Um, my husband still needed to take care of patients and continue to go to work every day. I don't know that my life has ever been so basic as it was those few months. I would have to pray every morning before I got out of bed for the Lord to just motivate me and sustain me and to pray for hope for my future and the future of the world. And I I really felt like the Lord did give me just my daily bread. There were no miraculous signs or major revelations that happened. It was just day after day he provided. Um, Even the ability to serve others was drastically changed. There were points of time when I felt that other than delivering some meals to the front door of our sweet grand friend neighbor, that all I could do was pray for other people. Um, So I've learned through that time that my soul reliance had to be on the Lord and his strength to hold me upright. Hmm.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. those are big props of life to have those taken away. And like mm-hmm. you say, you don't realize how much maybe that gives you just a break. You know, the boys are going to school or, or they have an after school sport or they're using some of their energy or they're doing whatnot. Or you're feeling like you're really doing something by serving somebody when you and you are by by doing something that you can see physical, whatever. But to, to rely on prayer to think that that's you know doing something as well. It just to uh, see the Lord do things in places that you don't expect.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. What about you, Betsy?
1: So about six or seven years ago, when I was pregnant with our third child, I took my kiddos, two at the time, uh, to visit my sister in Florida for a few days. I was only 30 weeks pregnant, and up until that point, had had two fairly normal pregnancies. So I had no reason to expect anything different. However, much to my surprise, my water broke while Mm -hmm. I was down in Florida. Mm -hmm. Because I was at high risk for medical complications, the doctors put me on bed rest, and I was hospitalized while down in Florida. All of a sudden, I realized I would not be able to be a mother to my children and a wife to my husband. The Lord took away what we had expected to be a normal pregnancy. He took away the normal props of being with my family and friends and having the conveniences of home. Initially, I was frustrated with my situation. I was concerned for the health of our unborn baby, and I was worried for my husband and children. But through various circumstances and people, God provided in non traditional ways. We had grandparents and siblings who pitched in and cared for our kids. We had friends in Augusta who cared for our house and fed my husband meals. I even made new friends while in Florida who visited me in the hospital and encouraged me during my time there. Hmm. It provided an opportunity for me to seek help from the Lord. In many ways, I felt helpless, but the Lord sustained me and he taught me to trust him through my circumstances. This seems like an impossible situation, but we saw God provide for our family, protect our sweet baby
3: and teach us to draw closer to him. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That is, um, that had to be really tough and it is tough when the Lord kind of, um, unseats us and mm-hmm. takes away those things that are normal props. And I thought of lots of things. Um, one of the big ones that came to mind for me was my loss of identity with work mm-hmm. Uh, And so going from the workplace to home Mm -hmm. and uh, I realized how much I relied on my title and my work identity, my credentials, my influence, my respect to get things done in a a
0: workplace and then
3: to come home (laughs) to children
0: you don't care about your title or didn't your care or anything, anything about
3: yeah. it in fact would challenge me on simple arithmetic as though you should you really <laughs> be doing this like are you qualified <laughs> it's like all right. oh the, the humility that uh that came from that but um yeah those were my horses and chariots mm-hmm. it was you know my identity and work mm-hmm. and sometimes we we don't know that God is all we need in situations until he's all we've got. Yeah. And uh, so let me, let me ask how does even knowing that God's promises are sometimes fulfilled after long periods of struggle. um, How does that encourage you in your own struggles when you might otherwise be discouraged? So
1: something I continually struggle with is anxiety. I can easily feel anxious about things that are outside of my control My husband and I wanted a fourth child, and we tried for several years. We suffered through miscarriages and years of disappointment. I felt extremely anxious, and I struggled to see what the Lord was teaching me through this. But in the waiting with the encouragement of people who loved me and insight from wise counsel, I slowly began to see the Lord teaching me how to rely on Him and trust in His plans more than my own. God did choose to answer our prayers, and we were blessed with a beautiful baby girl last year. As I read through this passage in Joshua 11, it was a helpful reminder that God's timing is not our own. Just as the victories God gave to Israel came over a long period of time, we must also be reminded that we may not see dramatic results quickly, or sometimes never on this side of heaven, but God is still working and we can trust in his promises. I'm still prone to anxious thoughts and my tendencies are still to take control on my own, so I have to continually go to the Lord and ask for help with that. A verse I cling to and have for years is Philippians four, six through seven. Mm-hmm. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I think sometimes you don't when I'm reading Joshua, when I'm reading about these battles, I forget that they're not just just robots going into mm-hmm. battle that they would have surely had, you you can't look at at an army that's this as vast as the sands of the seashore and not have more than a twinge of anxiety or fear yeah, Yeah. or or all those sorts Mm -hmm. of things. And so just, what it took to go out and to enter into the promises of the Lord would have involved the same sorts of things that we feel, you potential to anxiety, fears. Um, how's this going to work out? How's this going to play out? Could this really be waiting on things? The, the, just all of the hardness of the actual battle itself. And so just as you're saying to to wait in that and to see who is the Lord in this place when it feels hard. And sometimes, like you said, sometimes the answer is what you anticipate and sometimes it's just a deeper knowledge of who the Lord is in the waiting that we uh, receive from that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And when I saw this
2: question, when I hear this question, I think of, um, some things are not fulfilled until heaven and some of the things that we want and some of, um, the things that we desire are not fulfilled into heaven. I immediately think of Second uh, Corinthians four eighteen. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So um, I I often have to stop and think about what is eternal God, His Word, and His people. And I constantly try to remind myself that the lies and the relationships that I have are with eternal souls who I'm get to love and pray for and. In any possible way, point myself and them to the hope and contentment that lies only in Jesus, instead of being a taskmaster that I am naturally prone mm-hmm. to be. Um, so, my feelings of encouragement and contentment are found completely in how um, my daily perspective is.
0: Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to, to to take your mind off of the things that are now and and fix them on on something that is not as easy to comprehend. That it yeah. actually seems like a discipline. I mean, it is a discipline to yes. think beyond. Beyond the now and the task. I think about that in relationship to parenting. Even recently, it's just my boys, my oldest is 16 and 14 and 12. And so they're going into those teenage years, which I really enjoy what those years provide. They definitely are a forced loosening of what I would have assumed was control before right your your boys or your children whatever do particular things because you tell them to do particular Mm -hmm. things and you discipline them if they don't do particular things and it's not all easy but it's somewhat predictable and then they get older and you realize that doesn't work anymore Mm -hmm. and there are some really big potential consequences that come from the choices that our kids make and I knew that I wouldn't be able to prevent that but I still didn't know that I wouldn't be able to prevent that and so as I walk into some things that are very frightening to me, it's been super encouraging to watch parents who are maybe a decade ahead of me Mm -hmm. who are faithfully loving their kids in circumstances that are really hard and that they don't give in to the idea that they're going to somehow get total control, but they're learning to lean on the Lord's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. So I thought, In the in a Hebrews passage, Hebrews ten, thirty-five through thirty-six, it just it talks about that perseverance and obedience and receiving what the Lord has promised. And I thought, you know, I don't know that I think about that in parenting, like what it looks like to be obedient in my parenting, not just problem solving in my parenting. So I could step outside or not seek what it is to be obedient to the Lord and to experience his faithfulness, thinking that, no, 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 I'm just going to fix this, solve this. Maybe I'm going to get angry. Maybe I'm going to speak harshly or too quickly or whatever, because I may not believe that just faithful obedience to the Lord uh, will get me the results I'm after. And so it's just a reminder to me as I watch these parents pray faithfully. That's the big one. They pray faithfully, they love consistently, they seek the Lord's wisdom, they ask, and they wait. And they wait. And that's just been so convicting and encouraging to me because it's hard. It's hard, I think. Uh, to wait on the Lord when you're not really sure exactly what he's going to do in your kiddos, but you know that he promises to be faithful, that he promises to be faithful to me, that um, he promises to be faithful to them and and learning to wait on that. Mm -hmm. You know, some parts of the uh, necessary part of faithful living I found, and I'm not very good at this. I don't, I'm not, um, is intentional Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. Um, just intentionally giving thanks. And we, I was reading a book, (laughs) my 14 year olds reading little women, uh, for school, and you can imagine he brings <laughs> home Little Women, and it's huge. He's like, "Mom, I'm reading Little Women." You know, and I'm like, "Oh, it's a great story. It's a great story. You're gonna <laughs> like it." He's like, "I, I don't know." I'm like, well, "Let me read it with you." And and part of Little Women is you see the development of character of these young women. They each have their different things that they struggle with, and the different things that make them endearing. And they have this mother who's leading them along, and you see them developing through the book. And and one little point, she's she's pointing out what it's like to be great grateful. And she's, she's telling this little parable and all the, all the girls are included in it and how they each encountered something that helped them realize that their life wasn't as hard as they thought it was. So maybe they were bemoaning the fact that they couldn't have a particular something at dinner. And then they encountered someone who didn't have enough money to buy anything to eat Mm -hmm. along those lines. And so sometimes I think we think of Thanksgiving just in comparison to what we have and other people's other people do not have so shouldn't you be thankful at least you're not this and and, and there is some truth to that but i think deeper than that it's mm-hmm. you can be thankful because these promises have been given to you in the face of any other type of loss these are sure uh, you can put your hope on these you can claim these mm-hmm. um despite anything else and so as y'all go through life how do you go about marking kind of like they did in Joshua, that list, how do you mark the good works of the Lord and the things that you're thankful for?
1: So I go through seasons, I would say where I do this well, um, whether it's in a journal or through prayer. Um, But I'm currently in a season that feels more like survival mode and life seems a little crazy most days with four young kiddos, which I know y'all can relate Mm -hmm. to. Um, But as a family, we do try and talk about things that we're thankful for. Um, oftentimes that happens at the end of the day during dinner, we'll go around and say something about our day that made us happy or thankful. Um, and then we'll also say something, you know, that might've made us sad or upset and we can talk through those things. And it's always sweet and sometimes funny, Mm. um, to see what the kids come up with. And it gives us opportunities to talk through various situations and remind them of God's goodness and faithfulness. Mm. Um, my prayer is that we're teaching our children Um, And also reminding ourselves to have a heart of thankfulness as we reflect back on our days. For me personally, my prayers of Thanksgiving tend to be a little more sporadic throughout the day. It's short little prayers here and there as things come to mind. Um, Like I said earlier, our baby girl is 10 months old. So oftentimes I'll pray while I'm feeding her. Mm. I'll look at her sweet face and thank the Lord for her precious life. Um, and that he chose me to be her mom Hmm. or at the end of the day, when the kids are bickering, we'll go outside so the boys can get some energy out. And I'll thank the Lord that my boys have each other, Hmm. even though they fight a lot. (laughs) Um, I am thankful that they have each other to play with. Hmm. Um, and I'm thankful that we have a yard that they can run around and get energy out in. Um, so, um, Reminded of the verse um, in, in First Thessalonians that says, Rejoice always, mm-hmm. pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that combination, especially that you can give thanks and speak about the things that you're sad, of, mm-hmm. sad about. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, that one doesn't have mm-hmm. to cancel the other out yeah. and that you give your kids the practice of putting voice to those things. When it's yeah.
1: oftentimes sweet because we can help them. Take something that might have been hard and turn it around and mm-hmm. see, you know, even in hard things, God is still good and faithful and mm-hmm. his promises are still true. Mm-hmm. You
3: know, it's good. It's so good.
2: Well, I remember a few years ago when I was in the stage that Betsy is still in, in the throes mm-hmm. of the little years um, with our four children. I feel like we're coming out of that a little bit. But um, when I was at home with my children and felt my days were just an endless cycle of mundane tasks. Meals, laundry, diapers, repeat. (laughs) Um, Although I was involved in uh, church and mom groups um, to encourage me, it seemed every other week that I had a sick child and I was isolated at home with my children. Um, And in that time, I heard about Ann Boskant's book, One Thousand Gifts, and I would read it in my snatches of free time. Um, And in the book, she talks about how life change comes when we receive life with thanks and ask for nothing to change. So I began to carry a little notebook around with me, writing down even the smallest moments of thankfulness in a list, and also writing out a few prayers of th- simple thanksgiving. Um, thankfulness doesn't come easy for me, um, but training myself to see and acknowledge all the small gifts um, that life has to offer did help my perspective. Um, I I, I no longer write down everything um, that I'm thankful for, but when I feel myself starting to feel sorry for myself or when my thoughts start to spiral in negativity, it's been helpful for me to start making that mental list of the small things in life that we often overlook. And as far as my children and teaching them an intentional Thanksgiving. Okay, I had to backtrack for a minute. So before we got married, Jeremy and his brother and his sister loved to tell me this story about how his parents had a rule at the dinner table of no singing at the dinner table.
3: No singing?
2: No singing at the dinner (laughs) table. I would always laugh about this rule and think it was just so strange. I mean, I heard this story so many times over about this rule. Um, so fast forward to today and now we have our four children and dinner around the table is important at our house on the nights when we can make it work. So we also, like Betsy, go around the table and try to talk about um, something that we're thankful for and some, uh, the highlight of our day. So each, each child and Jeremy and myself try to talk about one thing. Now, I kid you not, every night one of our kids will be sharing about their day. And another kid starts singing a random song. <laughs> much louder than the kid talking. I'm completely serious. Every night. So, so
1: have
2: now? now we have the rule <laughs> of no singing at the table at our house. And Jeremy laughs about it all the time. And I never would have thought. Um, never understood it until uh, we had yeah. our own children. So, um, and So now we actually have thought about that. And have added music specifically learning song lyrics um, as ways to teach our children to be thankful. Mm -hmm. And so one very fun song that my whole family enjoys is um, Thank You, Lord, by Chris Tomlin, and Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it.
0: That, that is a good is song
3: awesome okay it's so it. that is hilarious <laughs> that is funny isn't it, like, it yeah. is so <laughs> <true>. <laughs> that is absolutely hilarious that one kid sings each night and so it must be a, genetically you guys need the song it's <laughs> <room>. multiple kids <laughs> each night, but every uh, night at least
2: one kid sings it's every every night every that night.
3: is hilarious i think our kids just got it out at the beginning because we would sing grace Oh, that, so um okay. and so then they were then I guess maybe they were done. I don't know. But <laughs> we would sing that thank you God, thank you, uh-huh, God yeah. for this food. Blessed <laughs> be your name. Yeah. So we would do that every night. So hilarious, but that is that's great. It's got it's in their genines. It's gotta be in the genetics. <laughs> um I think to be intentional about Thanksgiving for me, um, it's that reminder, it's saying what's true. Um, Every day. And uh, I think Amber laughs because um, Amber and Beth, I think, have have laughed at me because I often start prayer with, Lord, this is a day that you have made. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, and I'm saying that to remind myself and you have loaded it with bounty and blessing. Mm. And so it's just that statement of saying that the Lord has given me this day as a gift. And um, Thanksgiving flows from my heart in response to that. And so that that's built into my ordinary life. And so that's a reminder to be thankful. But also um, a way with my children. As my children are growing older, they're 21, 19, and 17. And we're staring down this empty nest. And so it, it's looking different than it, it's looked before. But oddly enough, they still like to hear their mom tell them stories. Mm. And um, and so the stories aren't the little engine that could and some of those things that would have been <laughs> when they were kids now, but they like to hear stories about life. They like to hear, you know, what I was doing their season of life. They like to hear about their grandparents. And so I'll tell them stories about their grandmother and their grandfather and how they survived the depression, the great depression. You know, our, I'll mm-hmm. talk about, you know, our ethnic heritage and the freedoms and privileges and access that we enjoy and how they can't squander mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, will we'll talk about my life and the Lord's faithfulness, in my childhood years, in our marriage, uh, before they were born, um, his wisdom, his kind provision in raising them. And so I just remind them to not let the book of the law depart from their mouth mm.
0: and to, to be careful to meditate on it.
3: And just even that, I think, has the power to produce great gratitude.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. The way just hearing you say that, the way you're fleshing out that Thanksgiving mm-hmm. with those stories. Mm-hmm. And it is one thing to list out the things you're grateful for. And that's wonderful. But to tell it in that way and to dive in deep and what we gain from a story um, Mm -hmm. and it's complex ways of gratitude. And I I do love the way that you start that prayer. I still remember meeting with you in your office when I barely knew you because Mm -hmm. you would bring ladies in to do that time of prayer on Monday mornings. And you started that prayer out with just thank you, Lord, the fact that you've loaded this day with blessing. And it made Mm -hmm. me think, wow, do I think that? And I love to hear you pray that because you do pray that consistently. And it's a a reminder to me, because I do think that there are times in life, and we we all have been there, when it's it's hard to find those things that we're grateful for. And when sometimes we're just sad, or Mm -hmm. we're depressed, or something Mm -hmm. super hard has happened, and we almost feel guilty that we can't our emotions aren't prompting us Mm -hmm. for praise, aren't prompting us for gratitude that feel anything different. And it feels almost contrary to our nature to want to say something that we're grateful for sometimes because really we just, our emotions are so sad and, and other times I don't want to say thank you because I don't want to let go of the thing that the resentment I'm nursing or Mm -hmm. the discontentment Mm -hmm. that I'm nursing. And I think Mm -hmm. in all of those times when it's, when you're sort of grasping to think, what am I even going to say I'm grateful for? I'm sluggish in all of that. I just think, wow, you know, in all of those things, my own sin or maybe my sadness or just the brokenness of life or when I'm struggling to find something to be grateful for, you know, you you think that we're grateful for. The powerful, victorious work that the Lord has done in our life. So what Josh is recounting in these passages is the Lord made a promise and the Lord kept a promise. Mm-hmm. And we can celebrate that because it means whatever promise the Lord ke- makes, he will keep to us and he will keep that promise primarily to save us, to bring us close to himself. And I just think that the work of Christ in our life uh, was to save us, to redeem us, to justify us, to make us like himself. It's accomplished. In that sense, it's done Mm -hmm. and yet it's still being worked out. And so there is the enormity of a situation we couldn't have handled on our own that the Lord did it. You know, the the enemy as vast as the sands of the seashore. Mm -hmm. He conquered that. And yet we are still entering into the small skirmishes of sin and evil that he still allows to be here that have lost their ultimate power, but still require us to go out and meet them in battle. And, you know, sometimes you just wanna give up in that, but you think, Nope, in all these places I can thank the Lord that his promise is sure. He has brought me close, he has done what is needed, it is done, it is accomplished, and it will be fully accomplished, just like we see here in Joshua
3: amen with that note of encouragement we hope you will join us again next week let us keep you company while you pick up some fall moms or while you go for a brisk walk if you want to see the pretty faces of our guests check out our women's facebook page at women's bible study fpca or find us on instagram at first prez augusta women hope you'll listen in sometimes a
0: light surprises the Christian while she sings It is the Lord who rises
3: With healing in His wings When comforts are declining He grants
0: the soul again A season of shining To cheer it after the rain